welcome to the After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Connects Education Academy. Our podcast is here to help teachers, leaders and tutors. We will be discussing the latest issues in education and sharing top tips for use in the classroom, both face-to-face or virtually. Welcome back to the After the Bell podcast, our series on trauma-informed practice brought to you by Connects Academy. As an approved provider of the fully funded Senior Mental Health Lead Training, we are acutely aware of the challenges young people are facing with their mental health and the challenges schools are facing supporting students with this. Some of the topics we are discussing in this podcast may be distressing or cause triggers. Please take time out and seek support if you are affected by any of the content today. I'm joined again today by Andy Bridge, a Deputy Head Teacher, and Debbie Davis, Head Teacher and Senko. Trauma could be overt abuse or neglect, or it may be less obvious, lack of affection or response from the caregiver. Attachment trauma may occur if there are traumatic experiences in the home while a baby is forming the bond, and it also may result from the absence of the primary caregiver, such as from divorce, serious illness or death. In this podcast, we explore attachment theory and consider the impact it has on child development and approaches in the classroom. So let's start by asking Debbie, can you tell us about attachment theory? Hi, Georgie. Hi, Andy. Yes, um, so attachment is a clinical term used to describe a lasting psychological connectedness between human beings, and that's uh, Bowlby, uh, 1997. So attachment refers to a, a, a special bond between the child and the primary caregiver. All, all children have got to be secure knowing that their needs will be met. And, and we've talked about the, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs and that they need to be met by the caregiver. When when we think back to Maslow, we're, we're talking about food, warmth, emotional support, uh, such as just even playing with children and cajoling children and smiling at them. Children need to be... Um, comforted when they're in distress so for example if an infant's crying it will need to be soothed and picked up and rocked and cuddled uh, because that is a need that needs to be met for that infant when children's needs are met that they become secure as you can imagine and begin to have confidence to to explore the world with confidence and uh, a child who is cared for and loved will find the world a really exciting and safe place. And that's what we want for all children. And, and this is because of the effective um, bonding and nurtured attachments that, that they've experienced. So it's, it goes without saying that if, if you haven't got this bond um, and you haven't got that connectedness and those nurturing attachments, this can have a massive impact on the child emotionally and, and psychologically. And this can move into adulthood uh, and have an impact on whatever relationships or whichever relationships they, they want to pursue. It could be really detrimental for them because of obviously the effects of of that uh, the experiences that they've they, they've had thank you debbie for that explanation andy can you talk about how attachments are formed yeah definitely i mean in terms of 
um, me doing my own research for this piece, out of everywhere I found the NSPCC websites with the most informative source of information um, when looking at attachment. So really we're looking at the first two years of a child's life, um, which are absolutely critical um, in terms of forming attachment. And, and in those two years, I guess that's when the child is, they're, they're working out how they see the world, how they see relationships, how to operate socially. And, and those two years have such an important impact on their sense of trust in others, their self-worth, their self-value, how confident they feel interacting with others. So, you know, it's broken down on the NSPCC website about the importance of these two years, but it goes back to, as we've mentioned before, even before birth. So in the antenatal period of pregnancy, um, parents and carers can form a bond with the child before they're even born. In birth to six weeks, it's sometimes referred to as the pre-attachment phase because although the baby doesn't necessarily show in those first six weeks attachment to one specific caregiver, we know that the the impact can be huge if they if they don't receive that that care and that nurture in those formative first six weeks. And then that continues and, and we see that develop over the first two years of the life where that bond with a parent or a caregiver is just so, so important. Are there different types of attachment then? In insecure caregiver child relationships, a, a caregiver is, is sensitive and completely understands and serves the child needs. So that's like a, a secure attachment and they're able to provide all the love and the care that the child needs. And it's it's a relationship that's that's really caring and uh, the, the carer responds to, to the needs of the child and it's consistent. The child's not going to be let down and, and the love is there and it's a consistent love and support for the child. So that's that's a secure attachment. And young people, uh, um, when, when they form a secure attachment with their caregiver, that they display patterns of behaviour um, uh, during times of, of stress or, or exploration. So you you would see proximity maintenance. What what we're talking about there is is wanting to be near the the primary caregiver. So you can see the bond. They want to be with the caregiver. They don't want to leave the caregiver. And then the safe haven is returning to the primary caregiver for comfort and safety. If they feel afraid or they're worried about something or the the, the they're upset about something, you know the, the primary caregiver is the safe haven and it, there's no. Uh, barrier to them going to that caregiver because they know that their needs will be met and we're talking about a secure base um, where the the primary caregiver is is an absolute form of total security uh, and that security just helps that child to be able to explore the world and be happy and fit in with the world with great confidence and the child feel safe uh, in the knowledge that they can return to that secure base when needed. We're, we're talking about a bonding, really, that the bond between the child and the caregiver and the consistency of that. And you, you might see some separation distress. So 
experiencing anxiety if, if the caregiver moves away from them or leaves them for some time and they're upset and uh, and when the caregiver leaves but they're really happy to see them when they come back um, because they they find comfort up, upon their return so you it's absolutely evident that you can see in a secure attachment that the bond is there and the child is very safe secure and happy. Thank you Debbie. Are there sort of benefits of secure attachment, Andy? Yeah, absolutely. I think where we where we see caregivers that give kind of that real sensitive care and they're that consistent support for the child and the child knows that they can turn to them and they'll always be there and always give that support. What we see is children who generally regulate their emotions well, has a really positive impact on their brain development, their physiological, their psychosocial development. And ultimately, children who develop really secure attachments are more likely to develop good emotional intelligence, good social skills, resilience, robust mental health. So the you know the impact of these secure attachments is absolutely huge. So Debbie, there are effects, I assume, of insecure attachment. Yeah, yeah, you're quite right. Um, and you know, imagine not receiving that that love and care and and having that bond and that security in those early years or during your childhood um, and it can have a massive effect on, on children's neurological, psychological, emotional, physical development and, and functioning and we refer to Newman when 2015 if you want to look into that in any more depth but babies and, and young children who have attachment issues they may be more likely to develop behavioural problems such as attention deficit, ADHD or uh, conduct disorder and that's Ferran et al if you want to look into that from 2010. So children who have attachment issues have difficulty forming relationships that are healthy uh, and also this moves into their adulthood so they, they find relationships uh, across the spectrum of their life difficult and this may be because the, the experiences have taught them that um, you know believe that other people are, are, are untrustworthy I mean coming back to trustworthiness again in terms of forming uh, trauma-informed practice but you know if you've been let down again and again and again why would you see anyone as reliable and why would you see anyone as trustworthy and this is a barrier that uh, such young children and young people have to have to overcome so adults uh, with the same attachment issues are at higher risk of um, entering into volatile uh, relationships and having uh, poor parenting skills to, to, to together with this and showing behavioural difficulties and, and mental health problems and, and if you uh, have quoted a few theorists here but how uh, 2011 will give you more insight into that if you want to look into that in more detail if that's helpful. Thank you Debbie it certainly is really helpful and, and it's quite a new topic of conversation I think and you know focusing in on attach, attachment um, theory. So transposing this into the classroom then what what might we see um, with a student or, or pupil who's experiencing um, attachment disorder? Yeah, so I, I think of all of the things that we might see, some of these are perhaps easier to observe and identify in an early year setting or in a primary school classroom. 
um, primarily because there's generally a greater level of parent or care input at that stage of education. So we might see things like um, the child being fearful or trying to avoid the parent or carer, or actually we might see the complete opposite of being extremely distressed when the carer leaves them. You know, not just talking about a few tears as the parent leaves, which is, you know, very, very common, but extreme distress might be suggestive of some kind of attachment issue. Um, maybe rejecting the parent or caregiver's efforts to calm and soothe them and connect with them if that bond doesn't seem to be there. Perhaps not seem to notice or care when the caregiver leaves the room or when they return to collect them at the end of the school day um, or the end of that nursery session. Do they, do they not notice when the parent arrives? Because you would maybe expect to see the kind of the eyes light up and running towards them. Um, is it passivity, non-responsiveness? Do they display any traits of depression or kind of unfounded anger? Um, maybe they're not interested in playing with their toys. They're not seemingly wanting to explore their environment. They can all be potential indicators and they might be indicators of other things. It's really hard to pinpoint. And obviously at such a young age that we're talking about here, the child can't necessarily verbalize their, their thoughts or their difficulties. So we need to be kind of really alert and aware and, and keeping our eye on how things are progressing. Andy, would you mind if I just came in there? Because we're talking about bonding, we're talking about parents and we're talking about schooling as well and how we can help. Uh, there are some books that I found really, really helpful. And in terms of creating trauma-informed strengths-based classrooms, uh, Tom Brunzel and uh, Jacqueline Norris uh, is, a, is a great book if you want to refer to that. And when we're talking about parenting and we're talking about networking and we're talking about how schools will work with parents, there's a, a great book by Sarah Fisher called Connective Parenting that's really interesting and informative. And we also have Dan Yu's Emotional and Behavioural Difficulties, which would be helpful to read too. And just finally, a really, really good book by Andy Fleming, Therapeutically Parenting Teenagers with Developmental Trauma. And there's lots of information in there for professionals at school and for parents and caregivers that might just help them to find something from the books that will help the children along their journey to mending. Thank you for sharing, Debbie. It's great to have those resources, actually, that, you know, everybody can uh, take some tips and, and strategies because it's, it's not just teachers that listen to us. It's also parents. We're all parents out there. Um, looking to sort of support in in different different ways. So some great conversations there. Thank you both. Um, and please do refer to the NSPCC site around attachment information, um, which is very succinct and helpful as well. We highly recommend that area. In next week's podcast, we're going to focus in on survival strategies and trauma informed classrooms. We're going to explore terms and consider strategies to maintain high standards and expectations in a classroom while supporting children with trauma-informed behavioural challenges. Connects Academy is proud to be a, a DfE-approved 
provider of the senior mental health lead training and you can find out more by visiting connects-academy.com you can pick up our after the bell podcast which are released on a weekly basis and provide quick tips and discussions with our experts around all things educational access this on your daily commute on your treadmill or as your focus for the day thank you so much for listening to us and thank you to our guests andy and debbie take care bye-bye Thank you.